0: Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon Season 2. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. Keep up with us on TikTok and
1: Instagram at The Pemberley. You can support us on Patreon and email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast, where this week we're going to dive into Sanditon Season 2, Episode 4. Before we do that, we're going to dive into what we've been watching Outside of Sanditon, I can start. I've been watching Dancing with the Stars on Disney Plus now. I haven't watched it in a long time. Now it's on Disney Plus. I was like, why not? <laughs> and so it's like the same concept. It's celebrities who either do or they don't know how to dance paired up with professional dancers and... And week over week, they try and do their best to master these dances. And then they get judged and scores. And I will say, I've been to two tapings of oh, the show beforehand. Was there anything special about
1: those shows that made you want to be in the audience?
0: I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I went, it was a results show. So they had performers so I saw the Jonas Brothers and mm. Jesse McCartney Whoa. 10 feet from me. I basically met them. Oh they my were gosh. right there. I bet you made eye contact with them. Yeah, I did. I made a lot of eye contact with Nick Jonas, honestly. And I was like, what's happening right now? Is this my life? Like, are we in love now? <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: that's what happened. Selena
0: yeah. Gomez was in the audience. In the audience? Yes. Yeah, she, she was one of you. Yes. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) She was there because, like, she was dating Nick at the time. Of course, of course. And sitting next to her was Cody Lindley of Hannah Montana fame. The way I immediately pictured him... (laughs) In my mind. I brought, like, note cards and a pen, like, just in case I can get anyone's autograph. So during the com- one of the commercial breaks, we're going on a big tangent here now. Yeah, yeah. This isn't about during, this. <laughs> during one of the commercial breaks, people start to crowd around Selena and Cody. And so I start to crowd around, too. I join in. I get Cody Lindley's autograph. I'm about to get Selena Gomez's autograph and they're like, we're about to be back on like, shoo, go away. All right. You need to go back to your seats. And I was like, no, who would have known that all oh, these God. years later, Selena Gomez is still like such a pop star and and so successful in her career. More than that. I mean, she's a, she has a business. She's yes. a company that
1: she runs. She's a star of a television show. I know, And I didn't get her autograph. That's crazy. I still think it could happen for you. You know, like you're here hey, in LA. She's in LA. You know, like we are people who go to events for various things. Like, I don't think you've been in the same room as her for the last time is what I think. Okay. You know, we'll see. (laughs) And I'm only, I'm also saying that because... For a long time, I was madly in love with a comedian that I was like, one day I'm going to be in the same room as him. And the other day, it happened. Oh, great. So (laughs) So anything can happen. Anything can happen. Did I approach this person? No.
0: (laughs) But it happened. Okay. (laughs) It'll happen for you. Yes. Thank you. So all that to say, watch Dancing with the Stars.
1: I love that you wanted to talk about like what's different about it. And we haven't talked about the new version at all. Oh, the
0: new version has like Tyra Banks, Alfonso Ribeiro. It feels like a little glitzier. It's got the Disney glam to it. So it's the costumes, honestly. There's like behind the scenes romance that you don't see. I like that.
1: Well, that's really exciting. Actually, speaking of your recommendations, my show is something that you recommended on this here podcast a couple weeks ago. I started watching From Scratch on Netflix. Nice. I've gotten through the first episode and I really, I mean, I liked it. I mean, it's a girl going to Italy to find herself and falling in love. It's hard not to enjoy yourself in a movie or a show like that. This is based on a real couple. Yes. I have Googled this couple. (laughs) I have a pretty strong idea of of how it's going to happen. Where the story is ending. But right now, I'm in the place with them where they don't know what the future is. (laughs) They don't know what's going to happen to them personally, professionally, romantically. It's just a girl trying really hard not to love a boy but then she just lets herself go for it you know? I heard uh, Zoe Zaldana give an interview she talked about Reese Witherspoon just giving her the book. Like they were at dinner and she's like read this book. I think you would be good for this thing I want to make out of it Mm. and she's like I read it in a couple of days and I was in and I was like "Wow, that's really cool you know? (laughs) cool. Previously on Sanditon, A Day at the Fair reveals unexpected truths, maybe, maybe not truths, about Mr. Colborne. Allison falls further in love with Captain Carter under false pretenses. Mm. Georgiana strikes a deal with Charles- the local artist that she's trying not to fall in love with. The town is kind of busying itself. Sanditon is having a big event later. It's Lady Denham's garden party. She's like, I hate people treading all over my garden, but it is the
0: highlight of the season. It sounds like a fun thing. I mean, we've seen it with Bridgerton where like the queen is the one to host these big elaborate events and she invites everyone. Lady Denham... No, she's like, I am selecting only the people that I want to see and that I want on my property. So she is more selective with that guest list. So it is a big deal, I think, if you are invited. Mm -hmm. Before we talk about any
1: further drama that transpires at the garden party, let's set the table. Starting with Charlotte Haywood and the Colburns. Charlotte is starting to liven the place up. She is Maria Von Trapping or whatever Maria Von Trapp's maiden name was. She's doing that to the place. Just Fraulein Maria. Fraulein Maria. She's Fraulein maria (laughs) the place. She was just a Fraulein. She was just an innocent nun. Here's the similarities because she's kind of sworn off getting married. She's like, I'm not going to do it. Maria wasn't going to get married because she was a nun. You know, Charlotte walks in and Augusta is playing a happy tune on the piano. Her uncle, Mr. Colburn, is allowing her to enter society She can come to the garden party
0: today. It's a big deal.
1: It's huge because she doesn't... I think one of the reasons why Augusta would just contribute to her being so bratty and so fussy is that she can't go anywhere. She only sees... Her little cousin, she barely sees her stern uncle and no one else. And now Charlotte.
0: She doesn't have friends. She doesn't do things. She just kind of mopes. Mr. Colburn is totally fine with never leaving his estate and being there forever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he expects for these young ladies to enter society, to get married when they never leave the house well, and it's a whole thing because he hires
1: Charlotte with the express purpose of make them ladies. Yeah. Make them into eligible ladies so that I can marry
0: them off. I've done my duty as yeah. the guardian. Because like so many governesses have come and failed at that yeah. task. Yeah. He's like, what yeah. else can I do? And- Charlotte is actually breaking through to all of them. It's an interesting line that she's kind of towing and somewhat crossing because it's really not her place to criticize him and like in the same way like with Maria she's also crosses that line of like these children need music they need love they need their father and he's like who are you to tell me what to do with my children but that was like early days when he was like not yet seeing the the impact of like her love on all of them in the same way like I think Colburn now is like seeing the impact that she's having and he's like okay I will let her go to the garden party now this is like the next step
1: I love that we're gonna call it the Fraulein effect where a happy joyous young woman comes into an old house where the mom has died (laughs) And the dad (laughs) just can't look at the kids because they remind of what he's lost. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're dealing with here. But Augusta wants to, you know, she's 18. She wants to go into society. She wants to go out and dress up. They start by putting on her aunt's clothes. She actually, so this is important later. She was like, oh, I don't quite fit into the dress. Yeah, Charlotte's like, oh, you just don't have like the proper undergarments on, like the corset. We'll see why that's important later. You know, she's just like putting on her aunt's. Stress dress for the first time and then little leo comes up and gives her a hug and she's like so if i hug
0: you in this dress it's like i'm hugging my mother you poor motherless child oh it's so sad and so sweet it's uh, really sad and little really sweet. leo little
1: leo so she's gonna get to go to the garden party later very and exciting. it's very exciting for her should we talk about the denims i think we should go into the denims they're <sighs> so Messy. Like when I think of the denims, I just think of a huge mess. <laughs>
0: it's really just Edward. I really thought, I don't know, I guess I I should have known better that we were done with him at the end of season 1. I thought I'm done with him. <laughs> Disinherited, gone, never coming back again. He's here also under false pretenses that like he's like a reformed gentleman. He's in the militia, he's doing all these great things. So what he does is he's going through their mail. He is now intercepting Esther's letters to Babington. And also Babington's letters to Esther. He's got one of the house workers there in on it, paying him to be like, find anything interesting and like report it back to me. One, once this guy gets discovered, fired. I would have him out of the house. Like (laughs) ousted more like, you know? But it's awful because he just keeps playing these games with Esther. He's really awful and clever at what he's doing because he's trying to make her feel isolated she's already in a home where she's like it's not fully her own she's just supposed to be here you know for a little while uh, while Babington is away now he's like cut off any communication with her husband just making her like feel bad with everything he says so while she's holding his baby and he's like now taking ownership of his own child he's like Oh, yes, my child, my son. Why all of a sudden is he now interested in having a child? Oh, right. This could now be the next Denham male heir. I just hate how... Because remember, he had
1: his clutches in Esther last season. Remember, we hated both of them for most of the season because yes. they were both plotting to take Lady Denham's fortune. She kind of woke up and realized he was pulling all the strings He was manipulating her. She knows what that iteration of Edward looks like, and she doesn't trust him. But everything he's doing is behind her back. She has no idea he's the one that's responsible for cutting her off from Babington. Now that he realizes this child could inherit the Denim fortune, he is suddenly about to be father of the year. (laughs) Um, He's like, oh, look at how good looking and handsome and whatever my boy is. We also hated Clara last season. Like we were like, okay, Esther got out, but Clara and Edward are really the two ones. And they're kind of pulling a first season Esther with Clara now. You know, she, I think that when she unexpectedly became pregnant as an unmarried woman with Edward's child, no less, I think she got to this place of like, crap, I don't think I can fall any lower.
0: The only time I've seen you hold him is in front of Lady Denham. It's almost as if you're playing the role of mother for her benefit alone. Just because
1: I'm not fussing and cooing over him as you seem to be.
0: How can you not look at him, Clara? He's perfect. If he were mine, I would never let him go. These issues are, like, not even talked about enough today, but, like... Even back then, like the fact that she is going through postpartum depression just feels like, oh, you just need to like, wake up, take your child because she is at a total loss of what to do. It's not just like an automatic thing that you just have a child and now you know everything of what to do. It is nice that she does have Esther there to yell at her. Yeah, <laughs> but like she's also there to help care for the child. I think they're both learning, you know, not to have compassion for Clara. But, you know, I think she has no idea. She's out of her depth. Yeah. And she's on this alone and vulnerable. And vulnerable. So it's it's a lot to be dealing with. There's nothing Edward loves more than a
1: vulnerable like his yes. he's such a predator his type yes. is vulnerable women
0: it's disgusting it
1: is actually <laughs> disgusting and so clara the the sort of long and short of it is they're staying on a small cottage on the property lady denham wants them out of sight she's like you know i don't want you on the street with this baby don't be seen
0: but even that's supposed to be temporary yeah. like it's supposed to be like yes you can stay there but You will be gone soon. There's a timeline on this and it's short.
1: That's what we're being set up for at the (laughs) garden party. We have the Parkers and, you know, the militia. We have our three boys, Captain Carter Captain Fraser, Colonel Lennox, yep. I'm in a place where I'm like, I know which one that is. Yep. And I know their names. The army is not paying its debts. They're running up massive credit, which is it stupid that I didn't think about how that worked. You know, like we run around with our credit cards and that's how we pay for things. Mm-hmm. But the reason you're still allowed to use it is because you pay the credit card bill yeah. and you pay it off. Back in the day, it was just faith, trust, and pixie dust. Like, I promise I'll come back and pay for this. Yeah. And they're not doing it. Tom finally gathers the courage to ask Colonel Lennox to pay for the debts that he's running up. And Colonel Lennox, a couple of things, he's like, it's rude of you to bring that up. Okay. But also we've been seeing like Tom wants to be best friends with Colonel Lennox. He's obsessed with him. Bro crush, whatever you want to call it. And so he's been playing dice games with the soldiers. Colonel
0: Lennox says, I'll pay my debts when you pay the debt that you owe me. It's a good move to play. (laughs) To be like, well, who are you to talk to me about debt when you have a debt and you owe me? But this was very purposeful on Colonel Lennox's part. This isn't a mistake that like he got him to gamble, that he trapped him really into betting. You know, now he owes this very large amount. He did it on purpose. Because he, we don't know yet, but like there's something fishy about what's going on with the militia. And I think everyone is starting to notice it. He never paid for the assembly room for the for their own dinner that they hosted. If the plan is for them to have permanent barracks here, why would anyone in Saniton want them there? Just go bankrupt completely? They're a parasite. Tom yeah. keeps... Because here's what's
1: really frustrating about it. Tom is the only one who thinks this. He's walking around being like, oh, the army's looking for permanent barracks. They're going to pick Sanditon. And once they settle down here, we're going to make so much money off of them. And no one has seen a dime. He is the
0: only one who thinks this. I feel like Tom doesn't have the best judgment. You know, he's hiding a lot from Mary too. And Mary keeps asking him like, what's the deal with the colonel? Have you talked to him? Tom keeps being like, don't worry. Mary should worry. <laughs> so- he hit a home run
1: with Mary. She is loyal and smart and level-headed and she keeps him so grounded because, you know... Tom has a, a lot of vision. He has mm. an idea of what Sanditon should be, of what it could be. And he is good at having that stuff and he's good at getting most things done, but he's also, he falls into traps because he's like, he's looking at the sky. He just falls into potholes sometimes. And
0: this is a really big one. That was the big part of Sydney's role. Sydney was the one who, while Tom had the vision, he had the big plans. Sydney was the one actually like pushing those plans forward and being like, great, here's the practical things we need to do to actually make these things happen. He needed someone to balance him out. And I think for Tom, he's not looking to another family member. He's looking to Colonel Lennox to fulfill that role. It's not working. (laughs) He's not fulfilling. (laughs) Yes, he's not fulfilling. (laughs) He is
1: draining. Yes. So we'll see how that goes. Yes. Um, another last thing about Colonel Lennox, Mm. he's falling for Charlotte. He is like, oh, when he finds out that she works for Mr. Colburn, he's like, how do you know him? Because if I were you, I would run away and never look back and I would never (laughs) speak to him again. Right. And she's like, how's that? And he tells her that basic Colburn stole the love of his life and completely ruined her. If Pride and Prejudice has taught us anything, we should not listen to men in the militia who are angry, who have terrible things to say about rich landowners who are also handsome.
0: You know? I mean, credit to Charlotte because she hears that, but she's like, that's not the Colburn I know. So she was weighing both sides. She's like, I hear you, but I still need a job. So I'm going to still keep working for him. So she's moving forward and we'll see that play out. Before we go to the garden party, let's talk about Georgiana because... Now we have a big mystery solved. One of the big things at the beginning of the season was Sydney died. No one knew that he was in Antigua. But now we have figured out the big reveal is that he was there to sort things out for Georgiana on her behalf. Basically, there was a relative who was questioning the legitimacy of her inheritance, trying to have it revoked. And so Sydney was there fighting for her to keep it. And he was successful. They were able to use Sydney's testimony of her good character and she was able to keep her inheritance without even knowing like any of that was happening. And really just saved the day. I feel like there's more to the mystery because, again, I don't know if, like, was the blood on the sheets something more? Was it just, like, whatever sickness he had? So I don't know if there's still more there, but... At least for now, it feels like that's resolved. We know what happened to Sydney and we know at least that Georgiana's fortune is safe for now. There's a lot of self-discovery
1: for her in this season, which I really
0: like. I mean, it was in a way that we really didn't get to
1: see last season. She has tension, shall we say, with Charles, the local crazy artist. (laughs) A big thing that she's going through is, how do I see myself? How do other people see me? What is my true likeness? Who am I? This discovery with why Sydney was there is unlocked is like people are going to constantly be taking down her character to try and take what she has. She has this moment where she's like, I really need to conduct myself in a certain way. People are going to try and take
0: things from me. They're going to try and take my life away. I think it's like a little bit of a wake up call, but also for Mary Parker, she's like, see, so this is why you need to be acting like a young lady or "This "This this is why you need to get married. And Georgiana isn't fully convinced of that yet. She's like, but why can't I just be strong in my own way? And it's not, it's like, just not the way society works. So she and
1: Charles work out a deal that he will paint her likeness. And if she likes it, then she'll pay him a lot of money. He can name his price. But if she doesn't, he doesn't get paid at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so she really wants her portrait to be very like stiff and very professional and very distinguished. No, you are so stiff. I might as well be drawing Lady Denim. Then perhaps you should. I am looking for passion, emotion, honesty, not some stale, lifeless rendering.
0: Tell me something true
1: about yourself. What did you dream of last night?
0: That is none of your concern. There. That is something.
1: your mask slipped.
0: I think they both know like the subtext here because like there is a growing attraction between the two of them. So it's not just open yourself up. It's also like opening her heart up to someone new. Mm. I don't want to say she's still heartbroken, but she had like a a big heartbreak with Otis in the last season, to move past that would be like a big deal for her. In the same way that Charlotte is trying to move on from Sydney and that big heartbreak and loss, Georgiana is also trying to do the same thing, but she's like, am I ready for this next step? And I think Georgiana is- actually like maturing
1: a little ahead of Charlotte because Mm -hmm. I think Charlotte she's like no one could replace Sydney therefore I could never be with another person. Yeah. And Georgiana is actually arriving at this place and we'll kind of see this unfold where she acknowledges what she had with Otis was really special. She will never have that love with someone. Yeah. But she can have a different kind of love. Also as a reminder. She and a lot of other people in Sanditon
0: are boycotting Sugar. Basically boycott slavery that's still happening. This is a boycott that's led by Georgiana and... So many people of Sanditon have also followed in to that boycott. She's really leading at least like change on a local level. The interesting thing is too, Georgiana as a character who is the only black resident of Sanditon is accepted, it seems like within her town and people listen to her and she is respected. People want to marry her. Yes, for the money. Yes. But, but, yes. but also <laughs> not just that, just mostly that. Mostly the money. <laughs> but she is someone who is very well known and she's invited to things. So she is definitely part of society. She has influence in a way that I don't think Lady Denim wants to acknowledge until. I think that's a perfect way to set us up for this garden party. Lady
1: Denim, she's old. She's just Mm. kind of living her life her own way. She thinks the sugar boycott is stupid. She also thinks like she wants to make a hypocrite of Georgiana because the other thing is she has her fortune because of like slavery plantations in Antigua. And she's kind of evolved into this place where she's like, I do have my fortune because of slavery, but now I can use this fortune to combat it and yeah. to not be a hypocrite about it. And so, Lady Denim orders probably the most elaborate cake I've ever seen in my yes. life. I've never even seen real life elaborate, expensive wedding cakes mm-hmm. that look as elaborate as this cake that she ordered for her garden party. It's like as tall as one of us, yes. you know.
0: Miss <laughs> How honored we are to have the richest woman in Sanderton among us. It is kind of you to invite me, my lady. And insist you enjoy yourself. You must avail yourself of all the entertainments, and the food, of course. I had a cake made, specially.
1: And Georgiana's like, oh, this woman thinks that I have a certain place, and mm. she's trying to put me in that place, and she's trying to undermine me, and she's trying to make a hypocrite out of me. This is exactly the kind of person who, like, that Sydney died trying to fight. Fighting people like this who, like, want to see me without my fortune or without whatever. And she has this amazing moment where Lady Denham's like, who wants to cut the first piece? And Arthur, who has been a huge snack guy this entire (laughs) show, um, has also given up sugar. He's, like, joined the cause. Georgiana makes a great speech.
0: I know you believe me, a hypocrite because I am a beneficiary of the very trade I seek to boycott. But I cannot change the past.
1: All I can do is speak
0: for those who cannot. The fact is, anyone who buys sugar perpetuates this evil trade. So, if you are not troubled by the thought of men and women toiling all day to harvest your sugar, then by all means, Enjoy your cake, but I must decline.
1: No one eats the cake except Lady Denim, and she has spent a fortune on this big dessert. I love that Estra is laughing at the situation because she's like, Haha, like Lady Denim is losing. It's funny because I think that she has a sort of complicated relationship with Lady Denim. Yes. She has a respect for her for picking her over the other two bad ones. There's not a lot of people who can put Lady Denim in her place, really, because she's so old and she's so rich and she doesn't care. Georgiana really
0: showed her up by just doing the right thing. It's kind of just showing the start of Georgiana's influence in Sanditon, because this is just one big thing at Lady Denim's event. I think Georgiana is stepping into her own power and into her own place in society. So it feels like a really good uh, moment for her to be like, great, now this is how I'm going to use the fortune that I now have for good and use it to like influence and make an impact. So that's really powerful to see that for a character who last season was like, trapped in her room and like couldn't go out and talk to anyone. And now she's like a very influential person.
1: I know. And just to tie up the Georgiana story here, she gets like back to Charles after that speech. And he's yeah. like, literally, I want to capture this moment so much. Like, this is it. He's like, this is the passion. Like, I have my paper and my little sketchy <laughs> pencil. And she's like, okay, but not in front of all these people. So they sneak off.
0: They find a private place for him to sketch her in private. Then they almost kiss. They're like leaning in. And Miss Haskins, oblivious to anything, and <laughs> any anything happening is... Is like Georgiana, there you are, and Mary notices and sees all. She just doesn't speak up enough to yeah. really like stir up trouble. She doesn't, she's not someone who's gonna stir up trouble. No, she just sees everything and is very observant, yes. but she sees them growing closer. I think she has some hesitance toward Charles. We don't know enough about him. So I'm on Mary's side. (laughs) I mean, he's kind of weird and he's
1: poor and she (laughs) is the opposite of poor. Like she, she doesn't just want Georgiana to be married to anyone. Right. She wants her to be married to someone who can protect her. Someone who can really like help make a life with her. He's a vagabond. He just like drifts. He drifts from city to city painting pretty things And that's not stable. That's not trustworthy
0: at all. When we met him, he was walking around town, shirtless, barefoot, just like, ah, the ocean. And we're like, who is this guy? He's a hippie mongrel. Yes. But
1: (laughs) I just kind of realized something in what you just said about Mary. It's like Tom... Sees the world as it could be. She sees the world as it is. Yes. And she sees when these young people are falling in love and the complications behind it. Miss Haskins doesn't see anything. She's just like, must look for Miss Lamb. She's not here. (laughs) Yes. This is a scandal. Yeah. Which, luckily, it's not a scandal because she's kind of been alone with Charles a lot. Well, she's always been chaperoned. Either Miss Haskins
0: is there or she tries to pull along Arthur to be there.
1: But Miss Haskins like fell asleep
0: when she was sitting
1: for her portrait. So it's like, it's kind of like being alone. Yeah,
0: kind of. She's like fine at it. Yeah. She's mostly not
1: good, but that's okay.
0: Even then, I think Georgiana and Charles are just getting closer. So we see that progressing. Meanwhile, the big confrontation here that happens is between the Colonel and Mr. Colburn. So we've teed up that there's some kind of animosity between them but we don't really see it in action until this garden party they spot each other and it's like on sight they are gonna go after each other with words <laughs>
1: <laughs> tension could cut it with a butter knife these men hate each other they yes lo- and it's it's so crazy because the whole time obviously we're all and charlotte is like What's happening here? Because <laughs> she knows that she only has some of the information. Yeah, she doesn't have all of it. So Mr. Colburn has decided to escort Augusta, his niece, to this event. Thinks it's going to be great. Excited to start living life as the new him. Until he sees his oldest, darkest nemesis, and he's like, oh, "Like, I want to leave. Let's blow this place up." He's not here for him. He's here for Augusta.
0: I mean, it kind of proves everything for him. He's like, "See." This is why I never go out. This is why I haven't gone out to something in like 10 years. I've been avoiding this interaction like this for a reason. And now he's like, see, this is what happens. This is what happens when I leave my study. So basically there's archery going
1: on here and the archery ties into a couple of things. Obviously all the army boys are excited to show their stuff. Colburn sort of takes the bait. Colonel Lennox is like, I'm gonna shoot arrows and prove that I'm the best archer here unless Colburn, you want to prove me wrong. So he engages and they're both good. Like they're both pretty much hitting the center of the target. And then to just sort of toy with him and like do this weird ownership thing over Charlotte that is just really gross. Colonel Lennox is like, I'm gonna have Miss Haywood loose the last arrow in my stead. She hits the bullseye. Like I (laughs) I had like no idea she was secretly amazing at this. She can do everything. But in a way to kind of be like, I won, like she belongs to me. Colburn does the same thing. He's like, yeah, well, Charlotte's gonna lose my last arrow too. And it's so much and there's so much tension that she chokes and it goes over and they're like, all right, guess Colonel Lennox wins. Wins what? nothing there's nothing mm-hmm. here colburn storms off another thing that happens is augusta has laced her corset too tight right to give herself a womanly shape oh my
0: gosh i forgot yes
1: so she's about to faint and who should catch her but colonel lennox and he's like Ugh. literally don't touch her don't even look at her don't even think about her whisks her away mr colburn
0: you are not to spend another minute in that man's company
1: that is not your decision to make you are
0: my governess i forbid it
1: you might pay my wages but i'm not yours to order about you do not own me i think colburn should not be blindly telling his governess who she can and cannot talk to we then progress on to clara and edward so edward crashes this party he's like He goes to the cottage and he's like, I would like to marry you. She's like, if you're his father, then he's a denim. So Mm. he's heir to the denim fortune. He's clearly openly back to his old scheming ways, manipulative schemes. And she's like, well, what about Esther? He admits to intercepting her letters to make her feel isolated and unwanted. He's like, yeah, I, this is classic Esther. She's so insecure. So he, you know, is like, are you going to join me? Do you want in on this
0: money? Or do you want to just like struggle? With those options, who would pick like, yeah, I'm going to struggle forever because yeah. I have a conscience. so... Um, no, I think in, in Clara's case, she really has no option, but to go along with it, Esther has really been helping Clara through the actual labor through now, like having the baby and trying to help her. She's really been leaning on Esther more. And I think now they've not bonded, but they understand each other in a new way. They're not enemies anymore. Yeah, they're not. Like they're not kids fighting over
1: the money anymore. Like it's a woman helping out a new mother and she's helping... Like, she cares. Yeah. She cares. And she knows that Edward doesn't care, but somehow Edward has more to offer her. Yeah. Like I said, he's a predator. He pre- He's preying on women like this. And yeah. so she doesn't really know what the other options are. So they both kind of emerge from her cottage, crash this party, and he's like, Aunt, I came to give you the good news. Clara and I are engaged. You know, they don't think he's a good guy, but it's not about what they think of him. It's about how he can get esther out of the way you know so
0: the last big event of this garden party which doesn't even happen really at the party in front of no one so captain carter and allison have gone away his plan is to propose to allison which captain fraser has been like are you gonna tell her the truth before you propose and captain carter's like we'll just go with it so they're (laughs) on a boat they're on the lake it's very romantic and she's like oh we're here together amazing He maneuvers and gets down on one knee and is about to propose and she, like, jumps up and says yes. She, like, loses her balance, falls into the lake. She can't swim. And it turns out Captain Carter can't swim. He just like sticks out his oar and is like, grab it, grab it. And she's just flailing around. She drowns. She like fully goes and submerged under the water. We don't even see bubbles like that. She's We any, lose her. Any signs of life. It has the same
1: energy as in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yes. yes. When Elizabeth falls from a very high point into the water unconscious They're like, aren't you going to go after her? And he's like, I can't swim. (laughs) And Jack Sparrow's like, the pride of the king's navy, and you can't (laughs) swim. And he jumps in and saves her. Similar energy yeah we lose her and by the way it's a really big river like it's calm but it's massive
0: and they're in the middle
1: and this loser can't swim and he put them both in a boat like a tiny little
0: boat i I don't know he wasn't thinking he can't jump in and rescue her she's like looking at him like come in me i'm here Save me clearly here we cut to then, she's on the shore. Like, she's waking kind of, up. She's coming to She's waking too. up. And next to her is Captain Frazier, whose coat is off. He's just in a white shirt, white puffy shirt. He's the one who, who jumped in and saved her. Another very clear Darcy moment. Yes.
1: Like Darcy is woven into all of these men somehow. Or <laughs> yes. like the
0: storyline is there. And like, yeah. he jumped into the water. I will say, I wanted to see the rescue. I wanted to see him like... Because once she, like, is fully submerged, I was waiting for then, like... And then Fraser dives in and, like, goes after her and pulls her out. And it's, like, a huge rescue. And you see the shame on Carter's face. But no, you just... Cut to there. Probably cut, couldn't afford it. I know. Like, <laughs> probably couldn't afford like the safety, or whatever. Yeah, it is they just let Allison drown. <laughs> yeah. So, so then she's like, "What happened, Carter? You're clearly a fraud. You can't even swim. You didn't jump after me." I love that he says he's like, "Frasier was swimming toward you, and I was like about to. I was I was getting my coat off. I and I was about to jump in." No, like she knows now because also Charlotte made her aware that she knows that Carter lied about his story because she brought that up to Lennox earlier and he was like, that boy's a child. Like he, he has not seen war. He has not seen battle. He, you know, wears the uniform, but like, you know, he doesn't have the same experiences as many of us do yet. She brought that up to Allison, but Allison was like too in love to like listen to any anything. But now she sees him for who she, he truly is and she's like, "Wait, this whole thing is a sham. You've been lying to me this whole time." She's pissed off at Fraser cuz she knows that he knows
1: that he was lying. Yeah. And he didn't try and stop. Her. Like, if this hadn't happened,
0: if she hadn't drowned, she would have just married him under false pretenses. Yeah. They have become friends. At yeah. first, like she didn't care for him at all. <laughs> but now they've become friends, so she's like, it feels like a friend has betrayed her in a way. So yeah. that's why she feels disappointed in him, but obviously she's more deceived by Carter. Can you imagine if Carter would have been like, okay, great, you're safe. So was that a yes? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, like, hear you. I don't want to, like, rush you, but I didn't actually catch
1: that. Yeah. That's <laughs>
0: really funny. But no, it's clearly a no. Like, they're done. They're they're done forever.
1: And that kind of brings us to the end of the episode here. A lot's happened at this garden so party. Much. Stuff is happening with everyone in this town.
0: I think that's the interesting thing about this season. Usually last season we would focus in on like this episode. We just have Charlotte, Sydney. We just have like this character. Okay. This season. <laughs> we are just all in on every character. Like
1: when we lost Sydney, we gained three new guys. Yes. <laughs> then we also gained Charlotte's sister. We gained an artist. Same people plus more. So yeah. they just like a lot
0: happening it's a lot it's a lot of people I can't imagine what season three will look like (laughs) it's gonna be like gigantic city (laughs) I know yes it'll hopefully be more successful I mean we're not we don't know what the fate of Sanditon will be yet considering they still have all this debt that they're worried about with with all the militia we do so that brings us to the end of this episode Stay tuned and next week we'll discuss
1: episode five. In the meantime, you can keep up with us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon at The Pemberley. Any comments, questions, concerns, you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com.